Welcome back, listeners, to A Better Beirut. We're back after a very long break, hiatus, whatever you want to call it. We're here today with Sibia George from Impact Lebanon. You've probably heard of Impact Lebanon in the past year, and especially since the August 4th blast, but we're going to break it down for you a bit so you can understand how it's working, what is it, where did it come from, and what are they working on right now. Thank you for joining us, Sibia. Hey, thank you for having me. Let's start from the beginning. Where did Impact come from? How was it born? So Impact started um, after the, the Lebanese Revolution in October 2019. We were a group of expats. Uh, we didn't know each other. We actually met the day after the revolution. We met between protests or we were friends of friends. And we decided that we really wanted to do something for Lebanon. And so we started creating awareness initiatives, including videos, including websites, to really start raising awareness in Lebanon and internationally about what was happening in, you know, in the country. After a few months of working on different initiatives, we started a fundraiser, realized that you know, there was quite a lot of people that were interested actually in joining us and, and doing a lot of initiatives. And so that's when Impact Lebanon was born in December 2019. After that, we really wanted basically Impact Lebanon to be a grassroots initiative because that's how it started. We wanted this company to be really driven by entrepreneurship and to have people from all over the globe who would come together, brainstorm about different initiatives and come up with solutions for Lebanon targeting different sectors. And I think one of the things that made Impact Lebanon successful was the fact that people from all over the world came from different backgrounds. We were from different parts of Lebanon, different areas. We came from different sectors, different professions. And so this mix was very interesting. And I think this is what uh, made our community so so different and so vibrant. Today, Impact Lebanon is still like a mix of different initiatives. We have initiatives that target the, the environment. We have an e-commerce. We have a um, voting awareness platform. We have cultural initiatives, historic uh, initiatives. And so this is a very nice mix. That's kind of like a similar story in terms of like the mindsets getting together, the people who wanted to start pushing for change. And I have to just applaud you guys. It's a really fairly quick turnaround from October 17 to getting things on the ground and on paper by December. Like, I'm just curious, like, so I'm assuming most of the people involved in Impact are Lebanese expats um, who were working abroad. And that's something that's you know, always been a sort of on the mind of every person here. Like, you know, we have such a massive population outside. Do they still care? Are they still involved? You know, are their roots still strong? And that's been a sort of... Can they still do something from abroad? Yeah. There's been also several initiatives we've heard of or like that have come in passing from, you know, those in power to try to harness that sort of bandwidth as well and, and use both that capital and that manpower and that brain power to sort of affect things here. And I think one thing that is kind of maybe determine the path forward is, you know, see which sort of mindset can dominate or at least win over, you know, in the coming year or two or five years as we plunge deeper and deeper into economic and social turmoil. Wow, that was nice. <laughs> um, I, 
I think the point where Impact really like expanded and just like exponentially was known across the world was after the blast. Can we talk more about that? Yeah, of course. Obviously, on August 4, after the blast, we were all devastated. So some of us were here in Lebanon. So as you said, most of us are expats, but we do have people here in Lebanon as well. And the expats as well were extremely devastated by what happened. And we really thought, you know, we want to do something about it. Our first instinct was, you know, we're going to do a fundraiser. This is something that we had already done. We knew the logistics behind it. So we decided to launch a fundraiser a couple of hours after the blast. We were targeting 10,000 pounds at the, at the time. And the aim was to provide relief for Beirut. Yeah, so we put it online. I'm, I'm going to be very honest. I don't remember every bit. <laughs> I just remember being in front of my computer. But, um, but I remember the, the numbers going up and, and it's growing exponentially. Yeah. And, and it got shared really by so many people and actually the way it started was we we launched it we started sharing it with our network with all the community at impact lebanon and because it's such a tight community everyone started sharing it as well and sharing it with their friends and it got like a huge network effect and and then yeah in after a couple of hours we started raising you know the target more and more until yeah. we got to a million pounds i think on the same night yeah. so around i think 1 or 3 a.m and then we got to 6 million over the course of the next few days so that was quite overwhelming in, yes <laughs> yeah quite overwhelming to be to be honest and um and it was actually incredible to see the support that we had internationally so it wasn't only Lebanese people it was really from all over the world we've had public figures who started sharing the fundraiser I don't work full-time at impact so my own colleagues started um, sharing, sharing it. it and you were exactly. just like smiling like oh yeah I know what that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was quite incredible to see the support that we would have from all over the world after that we, we had such a big inflow of, of funds we knew it was a huge responsibility and we really really needed to to spend it responsibly. We wanted to make sure that it would be spent in the most responsible way. And so we started putting in place different teams. So one of them yeah. was the vetting team who has done an amazing, amazing job going through the proposals of the different NGOs, making sure that everything, you know, that the proposals made sense. We did a partnership with uh, 3QA. So the vetting team was coordinating with 3QA, yeah. which is a third party quality assurance organization in order to make sure that they were apolitical, non-sectarian and transparent. We wanted to make sure that the money would go in good hands and that the organization would be capable of spending the money as well, according to their proposals. Life as well has been really, really amazing. Um, they've been helping us quite a lot in the transfer of funds, for instance, because we really wanted to make sure that the money would get here without capital control. It would be here and, you know, fresh, fresh money. Which is, uh, you know, a term that maybe some of our listeners might need to... <laughs> uh, yeah, how do you break that how down? How do we break that down? Um, basically, after the economic crisis, everyone's bank accounts was set to zero and you had to start over again. So anything new that you made was counted as fresh money. And anything you had already was kind of locked in a vault and you couldn't touch it anymore. So you could only operate with your fresh money. And fresh money also usually comes from abroad. Yeah, it's not, uh, yeah. It's, we're not generating anything as per 
everyone else. And that's the only money you can access. I don't know if that, would that break it down enough? Google it. It's a good one. It's a good (laughs) one. It's a fun little rabbit hole if you got a bit of time. (laughs) Were these things set up before the fundraiser was ready? Because you guys had done a fundraiser before, so you kind of already knew the... So it was Lingo, quite different. Maybe? <laughs> it was quite different. Um, so prior to this, we had done much smaller scale fundraisers. So we were talking about 10,000 pounds, which was our original target for that one. And so when we have that much money, then you know the entire process needs to change. We need to make sure. So we, we didn't have that entire vetting process in place beforehand. You know, like the money would come to Lebanon in a different way, etc. And so we really need to put all of the processes in place after the fundraiser. So it was quite a intense week after that. We didn't sleep much, to be very honest. Yeah, it was really worth it because then we got to make sure, you know, that the money would get here mm-hmm. safely. The brand was like what you guys created was clearly something that people sort of trusted yeah. or was it a mix of this is the only one that's up there already, you know, because so, so, you guys were so quick to get it out. Other people were still kind of like reeling and they didn't know what happened. So, uh, yeah, I think first act, I mean, there were, if, uh, I think if you want to talk, you know, economic terms, you guys were first to market with a platform that was accessible, easy for people to come and donate. And presentation wise, you had very clear goals and where you wanted that money to go, which is maybe on paper, we talk about it. It sounds really simple and sounds really, but to implement something like that and to have it ready. And what you saw afterwards was that sort of sort of ecosystem of distrust, which has been promoted by the Sulta. Like, who are these people? Can you trust them? Are who, who's, who's, funding, who's them. funding them? Which is like, you know, textbook um, gaslighting uh, techniques. And and I wanted to get to that because we have an opportunity right now to talk to someone from Impact. So I wanted to ask you, like, about from a, like a more personal level. You know, who are you? What got you involved in this? So. I'm Lebanese. I'm originally an architect, actually. I studied here at the UB. Mm-hmm. I worked in architecture for two years, but then I decided to transition and to go more in the entrepreneurial world. And so I currently work in a construction technology startup as a marketing manager. So when the revolution started, it did ignite a lot of feelings in me and a lot of expats. And I think that um, one of the main, the main problem was that we were feeling very angry, but we couldn't really express it, right? I mean, we had some protests, but we were very sad not to be here, not to be, you know, not to be able to be part of the revolution here. Um, And so that was our way of of helping, of feeling like we were part of it, uh, feeling like we we had as well our voice. And so it was, I want to say, therapeutic at first, you know, starting to work on different initiatives, because then you would feel that you were actually doing something for your country and you were not just watching from far mm-hmm. um just you know just being an observer but more like an actor in this revolution um i would say this is what got me involved at first and this is what also kept us going as well so i think most people tapped onto that feeling and how they acted mm-hmm. on it how they manifested is different and you know that's but i've spoken to a lot of people that yeah. are working on initiatives or working with impact in some capacity and a lot of them are the same thing where they're they're an expat and they feel like they want to contribute somehow but because they're abroad they feel like they don't have the right to say something because they're not on the ground Um, so they want to help but they don't know where their place is and i think impact in a way kind of created this or carved out a space where people who are not here can still work with people on the ground and feel like they're doing something and they're contributing and you know they suddenly have a role to play 
that was really comforting for a lot of people that felt like they had all this emotion, they couldn't put it anywhere. Especially after the blast where the life around them is continuing, but you know, they're grappling with their home country kind of falling apart after this. Yeah. So definitely. So there's a lot of as you said, like the entire community is really eager to help. Um, and they've been really as well very very driven they've had a lot of ideas so it's the community itself that actually creates and generates these ideas so we don't impose any idea on anyone it's really something that's generated it's a grassroots organization so all the ideas are generated from the community themselves they form they form the team we're just here to guide them to make sure you know that the overall vision is going somewhere as a board and as founders we're here you know just to make sure that that the entire vision is in place in some way but Yes, the entire organization, all the initiatives, they're all community-driven. It's amazing to see how much drive everyone has around the world. So how do you prove credibility to people who doubt you guys? What is the pitch or the proof when people come and they're like, you guys are raising all these funds and how are you all just volunteers? You know, like it's hard to grasp for a lot of people of how does this work if you're not being paid? Like it's, it's hard for them to believe it, especially with so much money coming in. So definitely at first we did see um, people who were doubting. Um, we did receive some comments, you know, on, on that original post, you know, asking whether or not the money would be delivered to Lebanon, which is honestly something that's very fair to, to ask. Yeah. I would have been surprised if people didn't ask that, actually. So the way we went about this was day after the fundraiser, if I'm not mistaken, we went on the live, myself and three other people, And we started explaining the entire process, who we were, how we were going to bring the money back in Lebanon. I believe that being able to put a face on the organization, being able to see people who would be able to communicate, to be very trans- who would be very transparent with you as well, because we wanted to be transparent from day one. We wanted to make sure that people who gave us their money would know exactly where it would be spent. It's their right as donors to know that and it's also right of the Lebanese people you know to understand where the money is going that to understand that it's just not just disappearing you know when it comes here to Lebanon and so I believe that the fact that we were extremely straightforward frank transparent did help quite a lot in the trust that you're talking about and the credibility the fact that we're volunteers isn't really stopping us from doing the right thing it's not because we're volunteering that our heart is not there On the contrary, I would say that, first of all, we're not taking any fees because we're all volunteers. There's no salaries to be paid right now. So I'm not sure how this is going to evolve in the future, obviously. But for the time being, we're all volunteers, all of the... Maybe actually, let's not say anything about the future. <laughs> um, I do have a question that might be on, on some people's minds. Is um, So the money's come in. Who have you funded so far? And what are these initiatives? What are some of them? Uh, before we started dispersing the money, one of our teams started doing a, a need assessment. Um, we started looking at the needs on the ground, what kind of funds were coming from abroad, what kind of funds were being pledged, and understanding where the gaps were. And from there, we found different verticals on which we wanted to focus. First one is residential rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. We are um, we're giving 50 to 60% of the fund towards residential rehabilitation. Fantastic. And NGOs include Beit al-Baraka and Usanit, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, there is hospital and medical body relief. Um, so Lebanon Needs, for instance, is working on the rehabilitation of hospitals. Um, that's about 10% of the fund. There is uh, micro and small business relief. 
so that's as well about 10% of the fund. Uh, El Majmoua is working on this. Okay. Then there is medical and mental health. Uh, Embrace is working on that yeah. end. Yeah. And then we have lost income support. Um, so we have different organizations that are working on that as well. Um, so there is uh, Besme Zaytune, for instance, yes. because we want to make sure that um, Besme Zaytune, for instance, is working with marginalized communities. We want to make sure that everyone is actually supported by the blast. So we don't want to discriminate based on nationality or religion, etc. So we want to make sure that everyone is actually... And, and that's a relief. That's, that's a relief to hear and to know that, that these are the types of organizations being targeted because, you know, that's something that's a little bit unspoken, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then there's other which is um it could be educational it could be cultural so it's like different types of needs okay. that are how, how are you guys um i mean how do you guys go about organizing this i mean is there uh, you know obviously you're you're a team of experts but at the end of the day there needs to be a bit of a structure right and and how did that come about how did that come about was it organic was it a top-down thing is it someone it was quite organic, mm-hmm. actually. So after we organized the fundraiser, all the founders got into a meeting. And so it was kind of an emergency meeting in some ways. Not in some ways. But. It was an emergency <laughs> meeting. It was There were several emergencies happening. And anything that happened at that time was, yeah. So we got into a meeting. And then we started, you know, splitting the tasks automatically. I mean, I want to say organically. We didn't really split the task. We just each one of us started doing something on on his or her own. And how many people are you approximately in terms We're of like 18 co-founders. 18 co-founders, okay. And we, so it was co-founders and there was also a lot of people from the community who really wanted to Absolutely, help. And yeah. so we really started, um, each person who wanted to get involved in the fundraiser started working on his or her area of expertise. So some of us started talking with the banks for the transfer of funds. Others started talking to Just Giving, for instance, uh, to make sure that the money would be, you know, um, would, would come back, would, would be withdrawn from the from Just Giving. As it was meant to be, yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, I was working on marketing, for instance. We started, I, I started working with the team. I mean, we were working from first few minutes um, with the marketing team because we needed, you know, to make sure that the fundraiser would be distributed in the right way. Um, but yeah, so I, so the team started, so that's how basically the different teams started to be formed. I wouldn't say that we, um, that all, everything got structured, you know, we ever, everyone kind of took on a role and this is how everything happened Great. and so this is also how the vetting teams got formed mm-hmm. and we wanted to make sure as well that the vetting team would be separate from the board to make sure that there would be mm-hmm. no conflict of interest uh, for instance. Are you guys registered in the UK? We are. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We're not for profit. We're registered in the UK. Super. Super. And what are the like next steps? I mean, I know we can't project too far in the future because things are very unclear, especially in Lebanon day by day. Where do we see things going? What are the next you know, goal posts or like milestones that you guys want to hit between now and like, let's say three months. <laughs> let's not go too far. On the fundraiser part, we have a monitoring team. They're working on making sure that the money is being spent according to the proposal. So this is like the, the next milestones is making sure that the, the projects are actually coming to light and are actually being executed in the right way. Um, we're working with 3QA on the monitoring as well. So that is on the fundraiser 
um, on the fundraiser part. And there is also um, actually, we didn't really reach our target. So in the next few months, um, our plan is to launch a campaign in order to hopefully reach that 7.5 million pound target. We're at 6.5 million pounds right now. Um, and so once we close the fundraiser, um, then we can make sure you know that the yeah that we split all the money um, in the right way. So um, we want to you know know where we're what what kind of number we're going to reach before we can you know close that entire loop and make sure, sure that all of the money is. Actually you're going to make commitments at the end of the day. Exactly. We have already uh, decided. You know, all the NGOs are already chosen. Um, it's only only going to be top up. So. This is uh, this is what's going to sure, happen sure. based on the monitoring, based on how the project are. Yeah, if it needs to evolving. be extended, if it's going well, if if yeah yeah yeah. Because exactly. I mean, you can you can only estimate so much in any project, and there's going to be, you know, unforeseen costs as they go, and and that's that's great. I mean, that's fantastic. You guys have it sort of kind of focused right now. Like this is on our plate. We're this many people. This is how much we think we can do, and let's not uh, you know overextend ourselves, but. I mean, just to play theoretically, if you were to overextend yourself, right? <laughs> so if you if you wanted to think, this is great. And I'm sure at the back of your head, there's already been some conversations or thoughts. I mean, anything you guys are willing to share or think about beyond this current fundraiser? So we are working on different projects. Um, so first of all, we have different initiatives. So one of them is Sochi, for instance, which is a voting awareness um, in platform mm -hmm. that is currently being created by um, some some members of our community. Um, we are obviously looking at other ways to help Lebanon as well. Um, not sure what I can or yeah, can't no, say no, right for now. Sure, for sure, for but sure. NDAs in the, in the whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more than I just don't want to promise oh, yeah. stuff that... <laughs> won't really see you know the, the light, the light. But, the, but i mean i mean okay, at least let's, let's talk smaller maybe just like some of the instagram pages or stuff that like you know that's not too scary to share um another one of our initiatives hopefully another one coming is actually a um, laptop drive that's oh. um gonna be happening in collaboration with um Someone in in, um, in Switzerland mm -hmm. actually contacted us not a very long time ago because he wanted to um, do a laptop laptop drive and yeah. uh, bring laptops to Lebanon. Because as you know, now with um, all the COVID situation, e-learning, e-learning, a lot of kids are not being able to go to to school or teachers study. and and yeah, exactly. the whole ecosystem. Sure. Um. So and we were actually having a lot of requests for laptops. So a lot of people sent us a lot of messages. People sent us a lot of messages uh, on ins over Instagram, over Facebook, mm -hmm. asking us whether or not we could send laptops. And so we had already a couple of people looking at this. The need was um, there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we were looking at this. So when we were contacted by someone mm. um, about that initiative, we were extremely excited. Yeah. And so we are working with um, him and other organizations in order to, we're working on a campaign in order to bring laptops back to yeah, to to people who need them yeah to Lebanon that's that's fantastic you know and and, and I mean this goes to show like there's very specific small things which which you know some people take for take for granted that can just mm -hmm. be like very straightforward this is going to help have an immediate impact on someone's life now and for the coming future yes. and it could change lives like exactly I think one of the best thing that we had here was education it could have an impact <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. I had to. Don't worry. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that happens a lot. A lot. <laughs> how do you guys assess certain needs? Like, how do you know that this is something you should focus on and this is something we need to get a team on this and we need to make this happen? Um, like, if you have five different ideas, how do you know which one is like, okay, we should really make this materialize? Like, so I would say it depends a lot on, the, on our community. Um, so the community within Impact Lebanon, they're the ones, you know, driving the different projects. So they have to be excited about them they, because when you, you dedicate, when you dedicate sorry, your free time, you have to be passionate about the, the cause. So this is one of the factors. If we impose a project on someone and they're not excited about it, then there's no way it's actually going to... Mm-hmm it's going to be successful. So that is one of the factors. Another one is actually looking at what people are asking us. So for example, we receive a lot of messages over Instagram, over Facebook, um, a lot of, of DMs. Um, so for instance, people ask for laptops, people ask for you know different types of needs. And so based on these comments, we also assess the need on the ground. Um, and then obviously there is, you know, as, as you said previously, we're all... Um, we always know someone who knows someone. So we kind of, we're always connected to Lebanon, right? We know what the needs are on the ground. We understand that. We, we hear it from our families. We hear it from our friends. And so I would say um, all of these together inform more or less the, the type of initiative that we, that we create and we drive. So if any of our curious listeners wanted to help you guys reach that goal, how would they go about it? That 7.5. What did you ask? If any of our listeners wanted to help you guys reach that goal in terms of donation or support, how they, how, how can one go about it? I would say share mm. as much as possible and talk as much as, po- as possible about the situation here mm. so that Lebanon doesn't slip from the headlines. I would say one of the biggest risks is people forgetting about Lebanon. We all know that, I mean, Lebanese network is great, but right now there is a huge uh, economic crisis and we yeah. want to we can't rely only on money coming from Lebanese people. So share as much as possible with your network internationally. Try to get um, as many people as possible abroad aware of the situation um, so that they can help as well. Yeah, I mean, all sectors are are significantly hit. So, uh, you know, you had that sort of momentum always, you know, something's in the news for a while, for the first two weeks, a month, six weeks maybe, and then the news cycle moves on and and nobody talks about it, or a few people do. Especially now when there's shit going on everywhere yeah 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 i mean it's people tend to forget themselves sometimes one one big business that's kind of blown up this past year is media and the news that that hasn't gone down one bit everyone's doing quite well in that sector i would think the donation links are obviously on your guys website which is it's on our website which is impactlebanon.org yeah yeah and our donation actually is um, the donation page is actually on Just Giving, mm-hmm. so you can find that in our bio as well on Instagram. Um, you know, just hit the link and there's all the all the, disaster yeah, relief. Yeah, and if options. you want to get involved on a more like hands-on level, you can just sign up. Yeah, so you just sign up on our website or you send us an email um, at volunteer at impactlebanon.org and. We'll definitely reach out. Are you guys looking for any sort of specific skill sets right now? Doors are open. Mm. So if you're, no matter what your background is, no matter what, you know, what your interest is, just, you know, shoot us a message. 
Okay, super. Okay, so you guys have done a few funds so far, and now you have one still almost there. There's like 12% left or something. 13. Yeah. So <laughs> Damn. what would help, I think, for people to understand, like, how do you guys use this money and what has been achieved so far? So we are sending the money in chunks to NGOs to make sure that, you know, they are actually spending the money the right way in order for us to send the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what has been achieved so far, Lebanon Needs, for instance, has been um, has almost completed um, its part on the rehabilitation of two hospitals. So this is actually an amazing... Um, Do we know which hospitals? These hospitals were Jaitawi, Saint-Georges and Carantina, and uh, so Carantina and Jaitawi has been... I mean, the, the, the works that they have been doing on, the, on both of these were funded by Impact, yeah. Partially yeah, funded by Impact. Exactly, which is partially funded. I think what will help some people, and certainly helps me, is to visualize, you know, it's a mechanism to, uh, to give people a, a layer of comfort of where that money is, is going, you know, and to, to know that what you're contributing is not only being donated to the right organizations, but there's, you know, tracking and monitoring involved. And you'll be able to at least get some sort of semblance of closure that, you know, every sort of dollar, lira, euro, whatever you put into this, um, you know, you're seeing the, the actual effect out of it. And going it's being tracked to, and done for yeah. you. Yeah. Going to the place that has the most impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. You did it as well. It's difficult not to. <laughs> I mean, it was very, like, appropriately named. Yeah, well done, honest. guys. Good job. Thank you, guys. Seriously. So as you guys heard, if you need to donate, we need to finish off that last fund. There's just a bit left. So as much as you can, share it. Send it to all your friends, all your really successful friends and family members, people you know. Um, and just keep talking about Lebanon. Keep telling people what's going on here. Um, as much as the rest of the world is also struggling with Corona, that's just the cherry on top of our really gross Sunday. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. keep talking, guys. And thank you so much, Sibyl, for joining us today. And if you guys have any questions, send them over to us. We'll try and send you to the right place. That's abetterbeirut at gmail.com, abetterbeirut at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon. Please share the podcast with everyone that are still asking questions about impact. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. See you next time.